Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. I'm not in a hurry. That's all right. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Hallelujah. You know, it's a great thing when we're able to come together and just in one mind, in one place, uh, I feel like two weeks ago, what was it, it was last Sunday, it was Pentecost Sunday. Um, you know, I always, I always liked just the beginning of that, that they were all together, so everybody was together, they were all in one place, they were all in one mind, and then the King James uses this word that we might not use a lot outside of musical Uh, theory, but it says they were in one accord. And so if you could imagine a band all kind of playing different chords, it would sound really terrible, right? But there's something powerful when a music group, a band is all playing the same note. They're in the same chord. They're on key together. And what that was telling us is that everybody in that prayer meeting on that day, they had all came with the same focus. And I just feel that today. I feel like we've all come into the house just to worship the Lord, just to lift up His name, just to call on His name, just to lift up a praise, just to receive something from the Word. I I just feel it in the house today. I feel a special praise. I just want to give God one more great praise all over the house. I mean, just take 20 seconds right now. Just give God one more great praise all over the house this morning. Come on, lift it up to Him right now. Use your mouth. Just lift your heart right now. Lift your hands. Lift your voice one more time. Lord, I've set everything down. Set everything aside just to come and worship You one more time. I just say, thank You, Jesus. I bless Your name. Hallelujah. 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 I feel
feel it today. I'm glad to be with you. I'm a little excited about being in church today. You know, I'll tell you, um, can I just be open with you today? I've spent a lot of years dreading holiday weekends. Uh, as a pastor, you just know going into those holiday weekends, it's going to be hard to get kids' team together. It's going to get hard to be the to do the booth and the music and all that stuff. Um, but my goodness, what a blessing it is to see the house full. We get one service today um, instead of our normal two services, and I just love seeing everybody together. I'm seeing folks from the nine and the eleven together today, and uh, what a blessing that is. So it's great. Um, and uh, hey, I don't know what you did, but you might have slept in a little bit this morning. I slept in like an extra hour, so that was that was manna from heaven. Somebody say amen. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 14. If you have it, open up with me. If it's a Bible app on your phone or your iPad, it's less anointed, but go ahead and open that too. <laughs> that was a joke. I don't want anybody challenging after church. To, but it was a joke. It was a joke. I want to tell you, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I want you to uh, plug in this summer. A lot of good things are happening. Um, work, uh, the summer calendar is uh, being filled out. Life groups are happening. Lots of things for the kids. Lots of things for the teenagers that are happening. Um, life groups are happening for everybody from young to uh, old, from men to women, kids, everybody up and down, left and right, everybody. Um, and uh, so they're happening all, all the time. Uh, got a lot of great things happening. Plug in this summer. I know um, there's kind of people are talking about a little bit of a pent-up travel demand. I, I see it on Facebook. People are saying, I can't wait to go on a cruise or get out of town with my, my wife or kids or whatever else, so I, I uh, wish you the best on all that, but plug in when you can around here, a lot of big things happening, of course we're doing two services on Sundays, 9 and 11, um, and I'm just grateful for everybody that's uh, making this ministry and this church happen on a weekly basis, we love y'all, and I'm just so glad to see everybody, uh, how many enjoyed the 5 for 5 last week? That was great, it really, really was. Um, and everybody brought such a great word, and I just loved it. I got something out of uh, each one of them, and I just love seeing people in our in our church family grow. And they were they were in the word, they were powerful, they were anointed, and I just love seeing that. Um, we do that a couple times, maybe three times a year, um, two three times a year. I just I loved it. So thank you to everybody that made that happen. I want to tell you too. Now. This Wednesday, I know tomorrow is a holiday, and I know you're going to be confused all week as to what day it is, because you, you know you're not if you're not working tomorrow, Tuesday is going to feel like Monday. Anybody know how that is? And and then like in the middle of the week, you're like, what day is it? Is it Friday yet? Is it? But here's what I want you to do. Now, if you've got to write this on your hand, there is a pen in the seat back pocket in front of you. Wednesday night, first Wednesday, in the house here, 7 o'clock. Uh, it's a great time. It's, uh, we have kind of a longer worship set. It's a good word, but a quick word. Uh, even on, I want our first Wednesdays to just be um, a refueling, a refilling, just a time to come together for worship. 
Uh, we even try to make, um, just give some fellowship too. We always have something afterward just for people to hang around, talk, and mix because it's true that sometimes if you're in the nine, you don't know people in the 11 and vice versa. The great thing about Wednesday night is everybody come together. So I don't care uh, where you're at on Wednesday, come. Uh, come as you are. If you're coming straight from work, I don't care. Come just as you are. Uh, if you got to just throw chicken nuggets at the back seat to the kids on the way in, do that. Wendy still has five for 99 cents. They were five for 99 cents when I was a kid. So just go to Wendy's. Somebody say amen. I know that, that, nobody wanted to say amen about Wendy's. I don't know what it was. So here's so turn to somebody next to you. Say, see you Wednesday night. Wow. See, that was powerful. It's going to be a full house on Wednesday. Wow. That was powerful. Okay. So uh, you said it, not me. Mark chapter 14, verse number three said, in being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper as he sat at the table. A woman having an alabaster flask, very costly oil and of spikenard. Then she broke. Everybody say she broke. She busted it open. She broke it open and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? It could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Notice they were criticizing her. But Jesus said... How many know it's all right if everybody criticizes you if Jesus has your back? And he says, leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? She's done a good work for me. For you'll have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you don't have always. She has done what she could. She came beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, this is so powerful, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, in Orlando, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So I just want to ask you today, what is your memorial? What memorial are you building? When you're gone, what will Jesus remember you for? What is the memorial you're building? You know, at barbecues and stuff this weekend, people will say, bring your own potato chips, bring your own hot dogs, we're firing up the grill, bring whatever you want to bring. I just want to tell you today, build your own memorial. So here's your memorial. So tell somebody around you, build your memorial, and God bless you, you can be seated. God bless you, we're going to have a good day today. You know, thank you to the band. My goodness, I wish they would just stay behind me the whole time. You know, it was just very melodic back there. Is that a word? I don't know. Somebody would correct me afterward. The, the melody behind me, it was the one accord we were talking about. You know, this is a uh, Memorial Day weekend. And if you were to visit different places in our country, maybe our capital city, Washington, D.C., there are, of course, a lot of memorials that you could visit. Uh, memorial, you might know, it is a tribute. Um, you may know this, but it's the same word as memory. The same word is memory. It's the same root word there. For memorial, it's memory to remember. It's to bring it back to memory. Remember, memorial, memory. It's all from the same root word there. And a memorial is a place that you go to to remember, to bring to memory again. 
And, of course, in Washington, D.C., there's a memorial to uh, our first president, George Washington. There's a memorial uh, to Abraham Lincoln, to Martin Luther King. There are memorials for our veterans. Um, There is Arlington National Cemetery. There are memorials all around to help us bring to memory uh, what they were known for. And so it might be a monument, it might be a building, it might be a statue, but it's a place that you visit, you pay homage, you pay tribute, and you remember. And this, of course, is nothing new. People have done this for a long time. In fact, God told His people in Joshua chapter 4 a very powerful uh, lesson here. He says, go before, as they are crossing in over the Jordan into the promised land, God tells them, He says, go over in front of the ark, go before the ark of your God into the middle of the Jordan and the Jordan River is going to to open up for you but he says each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder so this was not a little pebble this was something that was going to have to be put on your shoulder he says according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites so one from each tribe verse 6 he says here's why so it will serve as a sign among you that in the future when your children ask What do these stones mean? You can tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. And when you cross the Jordan, the waters were cut off. And these stones are to be, notice it again, a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So what God was saying is, I want you to have a physical memory Uh, Something that reminds you that you were on the other side of the Jordan. You were in the desert. You were in the wilderness. You were in Egypt. But every time you walk by this, you'll have a physical reminder that God did not leave you in Egypt. He did not leave you in the wilderness. But He brought you in to the promised land. And even more, not just that you'll remember it, but I want generations to come to remember it. I want your kids to know about it. I want your grandchildren to know about it. I want my people to always know what I've done for you. I just feel like God wants us to keep physical reminders of where He's brought us from, of what He's done in our life, Uh, You know, somebody ought to keep a picture of who you used to be. You ought to have a picture of you B.C., before Christ. This is who I used to be. This is when I was angry all the time. This is when I was hateful. This is when I was mean-spirited. I've got a, you ought to have a picture because who you used to be is a monument of where God has brought you from and how God has changed you. And how God has saved you. And how God has blessed you. You ought to have a picture of it. Somebody ought to have, uh, I don't know, a printout of the doctor's prognosis of what the doctor said before God stepped in and healed you. You ought to keep a picture of it. You ought to keep a copy of it. I don't know what God's done for you, but you ought to keep a picture of it, a copy of it. Maybe you have a bill that you could not have paid on your own. But God stepped in, made a way out of no way, and gave you a financial miracle and a financial blessing. You ought to keep the bill. 
Somebody ought to keep the bill, the receipt, the photograph, the picture. I don't know what it is, but you ought to keep it so you can say, God has brought me a mighty long way. Come on, somebody ought to give God a praise right there. God has brought me a mighty long way. God is the one that did it. And that way, because how many know the enemy has a way of talking you out of it? That way you'll have that physical memory of it. You know, I, I thought of, uh, you know, this is kind of a weird thing that happens, but in our country uh, on some of these holiday weekends, of course, there's different competitions and different celebrations or traditions or things like this. You know, there is actually an annual eating competition in our country. That can only happen in America, I feel like. I don't know. Uh, it's a hot dog eating contest of all things. And there's this one guy, I have to look at my notes here because I looked it up this week. There's this one guy that has won 13 out of the last 14 years. Last year, he broke his own record of eating hot dogs by eating 75 hot dogs with the bun in 10 minutes. He has been the world's record holder for more than 10 years, breaking his own record almost every year. Now, that's what this guy's legacy is. That's what he's going to be remembered for. Can you imagine standing before God on judgment day? And he says, son, I gave you 75 years on earth. What did you do with your life? And he says, Lord, I ate, <laughs> I ate 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes, Lord. <laughs> That's his legacy. That's how he'll be remembered. But I want to ask you, what will you be remembered for? What will your family remember you, your friends remember you for? Most importantly, what will God remember you for? What will Jesus remember you for? Jesus remembers Mary for that moment right there. I don't want Jesus to die so that I could live to eat hot dogs. If what you're living for isn't worth what Jesus died for, you ought to reevaluate what you're living for. I'm not living for this world, but I'm living for heaven. I'm not living for me, but I'm living for him. Because Jesus died for me. The least I could do is live for him. And so we ought to live for the things that get his attention. Jesus said that what this woman did was so profound that in, and it wasn't in man's opinion. It was in his opinion. He said that she will be remembered wherever this gospel is to be preached. This will be her memory. This will be a memorial for her. Jesus understood that people would preach about what she did for generations to come. You know, in Mark chapter 14, this is the story. They were having Jesus over for dinner. And if you read that whole story, Martha was cooking in the kitchen. Jesus sits down at the table as the guest. Many were gathered there. The disciples were there. And Martha was in the kitchen cooking. But Mary, in Luke chapter 7, the parallel text, it tells us that she was a sinner. That she came, she stood at his attention she knelt at his feet. She began to wash his feet. After she washes his feet, she dries his feet with her hair. She anoints his feet and she is sobbing and weeping in this moment. This is significant because, of course, 
uh, in the ancient world, especially in the eastern world, even still today, bowing before someone was a sign of worship. It was humbling. Even for us today in our culture, that would be very humbling to do. Many people, they would approach Jesus face to face and they would ask him something. Many people would approach Jesus' hands expecting to receive something. They would say, Lord, we need a healing. Lord, we need a blessing. Lord, we need provisions. But you don't bow at his feet when you are asking for a handout. She wasn't asking for a handout. She was just simply bowing her knee in worship to him. Notice, she didn't come and say, Lord, I need something from you. She came saying, Lord, I'm giving something of mine to you. She wasn't asking something face to face. She wasn't trying to receive something from his hand. She wasn't asking for a blessing, wasn't asking for a handout. She came to bow before him in worship. Martha was in the kitchen serving Preparing this meal, I know that many times when this passage is preached, it's, they're kind of compared and contrasted between what Mary was doing and what Martha was doing. Both of them were serving the Lord from what I can tell, but she did not serve like that because her heart was heavy. She was yet a sinner, Mark, uh, 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 Mark chapter, uh, rather Luke chapter 7 told us, she was still a, a sinner, and so her heart was heavy. She wasn't ready to serve him in that way. And so what she did, she couldn't focus on that. So what she did is she just came and fell at the Lord's feet. She knew that she was a sinner. She knew that her heart was not right. She knew that she had this opportunity to come to the Lord, bow before him, and worship. Here's what, I don't know how she knew everything. I don't know how she knew that she was preparing him for burial. I don't know if she really knew that or not. But here's what she did know. She knew that she was in the presence of Jesus. She knew that he was a savior and that she was a sinner and that she had an opportunity to bow before the Lord. And so she brought that alabaster box. It was an expensive perfume. And she breaks it open and, and, and anoints him. And she begins to weep. And she pours out her praise upon Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus is so taken aback. He is, he is moved. He's impressed. And he says, wherever the gospel is preached... This will be an example of how you approach the Lord. So what he meant by that is when somebody is coming to the Lord as a sinner, this is the posture that you ought to have. When you come to the Lord as a sinner, you ought to come bowing your knee and saying, Lord, you are my Savior. Lord, I am a sinner. I'm not worthy of anything you could give me. I'm not worthy of anything that you could hand me. I'm not coming asking for a blessing. I'm just coming, bowing my knee to worship you. I'm a sinner in the presence of a Savior. And Jesus said, whenever you preach the gospel, the good news about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, about a change, 
changed life, a healed life, forgiveness, all of those things. This should be the posture of everybody that comes to the Lord. Is they come with a knee bowed saying, Lord, I'm not asking for a handout. I'm just saying, Lord, help me, forgive me, touch me, save me. Oh, Jesus, make me new. I've come to worship you. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, she will be an example of that. Notice what Jesus said about her in verse number 8. He says, she has done what she could. I want to just tell you today, do what you can do. That's the first thing I want to say today. Do what you can do. He said, she's done what she could do. If you want to live a life that Jesus takes notice of, just do what you can do. That's all you got to do. Turn to somebody and say, do, what, do you. That, did, that I wasn't very many people. Say, you do you. Do what you can do. He isn't asking you to do what you're not capable of. He's asking you to do what you can do. He says, she's done what she could do. That's all that Jesus is asking of you. Let me say it this way. I think sometimes we fret because we compare ourselves to other people. And we say, well, I can't do what he can do. I can't do what she can do. God isn't asking you to do what he's doing. He's asking you to do what you can do. So the danger is not that I won't do what somebody else is doing. The danger is I won't do what God's called me to do. Because he is not asking you to do something that you cannot do. So what can you do? There's a lot you might not be able to do. I understand that. But what can you do? There's a lot of things you might not be able to change. But what can you change? There might be things that are beyond, somebody say, you know, beyond your pay grade. That's fine. I understand that. But what is within your pay grade? What can you do? I might not be able to take the whole church out for a steak dinner after church today. I'm sorry, I can't do that. (laughs) But I can take somebody out for coffee, right? You could take somebody out for coffee. You could bless somebody. I can't bless everybody, but I can bless somebody. I can't help everybody, but I can help somebody. I I might not be able to change everything, but I can change something. What's that old cliche of all the starfish that washed up on the, uh, on the beach? I know it's cliche, but sometimes things are cliche because they're true. And the guy was grabbing one starfish and he throws it out in the ocean. And he grabs another one, he throws it out in the ocean. And somebody comes by and says, what are you doing? There's miles of these starfish. You're never going to be able to to get all of them back in the water. You're not going to be able to save all of them. And he picked up another one and he said, but I saved that one. And he picked up another one and said, but I saved that one. But he picks up another one and he says, I saved that one. I can't do it all, but I can do something. And so, so you might not be able to quit your job and be a missionary. But you can be a missionary on your job. I might not be able to bless everybody, but I can bless somebody. Do what you can do. Do what Jesus called you to do. Somebody ought to say amen right there. And just know this. God will never ask anything from you that he hasn't already given you. If you just take the posture that if God gets it to me, he can get it through me. 
he'll get a lot to you because he knows he can get it through you. Remember when Jesus saw the widow's offering, she brought a single mite. Now you have to know that it was two mites that equaled the Roman's smallest coin. So one mite was like a half a penny. Now I don't know about you, but I don't always bend over and pick up a penny if I see it. Maybe I should. But a penny is so worthless sometimes. Anybody with me? It's barely worth picking up now. We should, I, I guess the reason I would pick it up is because it was litter. <laughs> it's almost litter at this point. Uh, but but this, this woman brings a half a penny. She brings a single mite, a half a penny. But guess what? It got Jesus' attention. Somebody that just put a half a penny in the offering, it got Jesus' attention. Now, that half a penny was not going to pay the church building off. It wasn't even going to cut the grass that week. It wasn't even going to make a dent in the electric bill. But Jesus noticed she did what she could do. She did what she could do. I think that that is all God is really calling us to do. I think there's been times in my life where I've argued with God. Lord, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I don't know if that's what you're calling me to do. Maybe you're calling somebody else to do that. Maybe I'm not capable of doing that. But here's what you have to do. You have to just release what God has already put in your hand because you never know how God can multiply that. I think the child with the, the bread and the fish could have said, this, what's this going to do? It's not going to, but in the hands of the master, it's multiplied. And so until we let go and say, God, I'm going to let just release what you've given into my hands, that's when the miracle happens. I remember Peter was, he, he uh, saw Jesus walking on the water and he says this, he says, Lord, if that's you, invite me to come. And I think that we do that a lot. Lord, if this is you, give me an audible voice from heaven. Lord, if that's you, write it in the sky. I want to see, see the clouds in cursive font with my name in it, right? Lord, if that's you, I think we make it too complicated sometime. Lord, if that's you telling me to do a good deed for somebody, I want to hear an audible voice from heaven. Lord, if that's you telling me to give in the offering, I want to see the clouds in the sky write the, the dollar amount in the sky. Lord, if that's you wanting me to serve in the kids' ministry, I want you to just drop, I don't know, a stork from the sky. Just, just, just give me a sign somehow. And I'll just tell you, if you're hearing a voice telling you to do a good deed for somebody, if you're hearing a voice telling you to come to the altar and pray, if you're hearing a voice tell you to, to bless somebody or bless God's house, it ain't the devil telling you to do that. It's not your flesh telling you to do that. It's the Lord telling you to do that. And so, Lord, just release what God has put in your spirit. And when Peter did what he could do, see, Peter could only step out of the boat. He couldn't walk on the water. But when he stepped out of the boat, his ability ended. But God's ability begins where your ability ends. So all I have to do, I don't have to do it all. I just have to do what I can do. But when I step out in faith, guess what? God does the rest. God does his best work when you step out in faith. Somebody ought to just give God a praise right there. Because all you've got to do... 
is do what you can do. And God does the rest. i got to move on here. The second thing I want to show you is not only did she do what she could do, but she did what she could do in the face of opposition. It said here in, in, uh, in verse 4 and 5, that you have to know, let me see verse 4 and 5, but you have to know that any time you step out to do something for God, there's going to be opposition. I, I, Valerie said something when she was giving us that call to worship. You know, I think sometimes it's just, it's, you just feel resistance getting out of bed. I, right? Gravity. <laughs> just, there's resistance there. It's first thing you, you get up. I, I don't know, maybe there was resistance to you coming to the house of God today. There's a lot of other things you could be doing. But, but any time you step out, there will be resistance. Opposition from the world, opposition from your flesh, Opposition from the enemy, opposition from people around you. Verse number four and five, it said that there were some that were indignant. They were, they were, they were upset ab- about this. And they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. John's gospel tells us that it was Judas that opposed her. And, and it, said, it said, the one who betrayed, even the, the, the way he described it, he said, the one that betrayed Jesus. He said it was Judas. And at this point, G- Judas had already begun that process of betraying Jesus. The deal was already done, in fact. And, and he had made himself an enemy, an enemy of Christ, an enemy of God's people. And I'll just tell you that the enemy's voice will always rise up in your life. In fact, when you begin to feel opposition, you ought to push through even more. You ought to push through even more. I've heard people say, you know, if it's God's will, there'll be very little resistance. I I haven't seen that very often. A lot of times when it's really God's will, there will be opposition. There will be resistance. But that's not my, His word is my compass, not whether there's opposition or resistance. But the fact is there will be opposition. And so as she was about to do this thing, all of a sudden the voice of somebody that's already made himself an enemy of Jesus, guess what, is speaking out against it. I'll tell you, there'll be people in your life that don't understand why you live the way you live, why you live for the Lord. There'll be people in your life that they don't, they don't understand why you're in church on a holiday weekend. And there's a lot of other things. You could be grilling out. You, could, you can still grill out, by the way. I hope you do. But you can still do those things. But you could have been at the beach. You could have done this. You could have done that. They don't understand. They don't understand why you live for God, why you prioritize the Word of God, the things of God, the house of God. They don't appreciate the change of God in your life, the salvation and the blessing of God in your life. But guess what? You cannot allow those voices to stop you. That's good. And, and I'll tell you, These voices mean a lot less if you give it over to him. So when somebody here, and you have to do it both ways now, when somebody compliments you, hey, I give it to the Lord. What a beautiful house you have. The Lord bless me. What a beautiful family you have. The Lord bless me. Well, that was so, the Lord bless me. Because if you'll do that, when the criticism comes, Lord, you take it. 
Lord, you take it. Because I've had to do that. Sometimes people will come to me after service and say, that was a good word. And I'll say, it's God's word. I appreciate it, and, I, and I, it's my honor, and it's my blessing to, to, to serve God. But I'll tell you, it wasn't my word, it's His word. But also, when I have to tell somebody, look, this is what the Bible says. And I know you don't want to hear this, but it's not my word. <laughs> See, now I have the ability to say, when it's a compliment, it's His word. When it's hard, it's still His word. And if you don't like what it said, don't take it up with me. Take it up with Him. Because it's His word. So when the compliment comes, give it to Him. When the criticism comes, let Him take it. He's big enough to take it. And I tell you, that's when the Lord is on your side. So it didn't... It's all right. I don't need that note. Don't worry about it. So somebody... You know, somebody said that, that the, or Judas stood up and said, hey, look, this could, have been, this could have been sold. It could have been given to the poor. What a waste this is. And, and, and she could have let that say, oh, yeah, you know what? This is 300 denarii that I could do all these other things. I could, I could invest it. I could da-da-da. She could have backed out. But even though the voices of opposition were coming, she pressed right through it. And what Judas called, I've said this a hundred times, but I love it so much. What Judas called a waste, Jesus called worship. So somebody might say, it's a waste for you to be in the house of God today. Jesus calls it worship. You might say, you're wasting your life living for God. Jesus calls it worship. Somebody might say, it's a waste for you to tithe. Jesus calls it worship. It's a waste for you to spend your time in the house of God. Jesus called it worship. Somebody might not understand it, they might criticize it, they might not like it, but Jesus calls it worship. Isaiah 54 and 17, we always read the first half of it, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but I love the second half of it, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment. Here's what's powerful here. I feel like somebody's already ahead of me. Do you guys notice that's a capital Y right there and that's not a typo? You shall condemn. God will condemn. He will condemn. Watch it now. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And a lot of times we think of, 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 of it as being you know weapons, but it says that the tongue really is a weapon as well. So, so this why is saying God will defeat it, God will judge it, God will uh, uh, fight it, and, and I don't have to. And in fact, that's why I give it to Him. I give Him the compliment and I give Him the critique. I give it all to Him because when they rise up against me in judgment, capital Y, God shall condemn it. Every tongue, I'm not talking about swords and shields and weapons right now. It's talking about tongues that rise up against you. Every voice, every critic, every naysayer, don't let it stop you because no weapon formed against you will prosper. In fact, God himself has your back and will fight your battle when you give it to him. And we already saw it in this text. Judas starts calling it a waste, and Jesus is the first one that defends her. He condemns it and says, no, 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 no. What she's done 
people will always remember. It'll be a memorial to her. It was not waste. It was a worship. God will fight your battle. Jesus will fight your battle. If you'll just do what you can do. Music come. I'm going to close with this. Last thing I want to say is do what you can. Even though it will cost you something. It'll cost you something. It won't cost you everything. It won't break you. God has a way of, of, of blessing everything that you give to Him. I've seen people in this church that maybe they didn't have the best musical ability, but we needed somebody. They stepped out, and God blessed them with more. I've seen people that I've seen over and over the testimony of people that just trust God in whatever area of their life. God has a way of blessing it, multiplying it, and repaying. But I tell you, it always does cost you something. And it says here in verse 3 that this woman came having an alabaster uh, flask of very costly oil. It was a perfume. And then notice here, it says she broke that flask and poured it over his head. Verse 5, it said that it could have been sold. The value of it was 300 denarii. Now, I know that we don't always understand the the context of of the value of these things. But I got to tell you, you might be thinking that that perfume was $300. Because that would be expensive perfume. I've never bought my wife $300 perfume. Maybe we're in that $30 category of of perfume, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not Tommy Cologne, it's Bobby Cologne. You ever seen those generic colognes? I couldn't think of any more modern cologne. Somebody forgive me. But it wasn't $300. This perfume was expensive. It was 300 days, not $300, 300 days of labor. This was the coin that you would give a Roman centurion for his whole day's work. Whatever they were doing, building, shoveling, fighting, protecting, whatever they were doing, they would get one of these for every day's labor. Now, in reality, We don't work 300 days a year. Weekends, holidays, we don't. So people have said this was a year's wage. I would say it's only a year's wage if you work six days a week and take very little holidays. So this was a year's salary. I don't know what you make in a year, but imagine bringing a full year's wage, breaking it over the head, breaking that bottle, pouring it all out as a worship and an offering to Jesus. You know, oftentimes we say that she poured it out. We imagine her opening the bottle in some way and pouring it. But that's not what the Bible says. It says she broke it. I feel like there was probably some resistance in her. She just had to to go through with it. It was almost like she just had to dive in. You ever tried to get in a pool really slow and it's, you just got to jump in? 
I feel like that was her. There's something in her just wrestling with her. Don't do it, don't do it. She just had to bust it all open. When she broke it all open, none of it could be preserved or held back. She could have maybe just, I don't know if it had one of those pump sprays on it. I don't know if it had the ability to to take the bottle off and to twist some sort of pump spray on there where she could have just sprayed a little bit or just maybe done a little dab of it. I don't know if she had that ability, but whether she did or she didn't, she just broke it all in one motion and poured it all out on Jesus, which means she did not hold anything back. She brought all of her worship. She brought all of her praise. Even though it cost her a year's wages, she poured something out of the brokenness. She had to break something in her life. Remember, the Bible said she was a sinner. She had to break ties with her old life, her old ways, her old sins, her old past, her old things. She had to break all of that, had to break through all of that because bowing at the feet and worshiping Jesus was more important than anything she owned. This was of supreme value to her. First Corinthians tells us that we have a treasure in earthen vessels. But in order for that to flow out of us, we've got to open our heart. We've got to open our hands. We've got to allow sometimes for us to be broken. I've got to let God press me sometimes, put some pressure on me to break some old ways, to break some old things. And that was ultimately what was so memorable about Mary is that she really gave something that was so valuable to her. And that's what got Jesus' attention. I think so often we want to just maybe give the Lord just one pump spray of that. But she gave everything. She went all in. She gave the whole bottle. I'll just tell you, sometimes we don't, we don't want to go all in because then then I don't have a leg to stand on. If I go all in, then, then I, I, don't ha- I, I don't know how I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out or whatever else, but we forget that it's in our weakness that we're made strong. We forget that it's when we really die is when we really live. It's when we humble ourselves that the Lord picks us up and exalts us. It's when I stoop down that He picks me up. It's when I bow my knee that He lifts me up. It's when I wait on the Lord. That's when my strength is restored. That's when I fly like an eagle. It's when I'm weak. Oh, somebody ought to get it today. It's when I'm weak that I'm made strong. It's when I release everything I have. It's when God steps in. It's when I step out that God lifts me up. I want to tell somebody, how long has it been since you were broken before the Lord? Since you bowed your knee before the Lord? Since you lifted your hands? Since you lifted up your voice? She fell at His feet. She wasn't seeking any blessing, anything from his hand but she was broken before him she took a posture of worship she bowed her knee she brought her offering her struggle her sin her sacrifice I tell you that's what got Jesus's attention it wasn't some distant worship from a hundred feet away it wasn't some lukewarm half in half out type of devotion or service to God it was all in I'm bowing at your knee 
and I'm breaking it all open and I'm pouring it all out because I'm cutting ties with the old me and the old ways and everything I held dear and I'm giving it all up just to sit at your feet, just to bow at your knee, just to bring a worship and a praise to Jesus. Stand with me. I want to open these altars this morning. these altars today and I wonder how many of us would take a moment today and say Lord I want you to remember me I want you to remember me for worship I want you to remember me for my praise I want you to remember my heart not to be remembered by this world but to be remembered by Jesus. And I thought about the thief on the cross. It was his midnight hour. His body was broken. His life is ending in shame and shambles. This world would not have remembered him for anything good. But in the midst of his pain, his agony, and his struggle, he worshiped. He said to those mocking Jesus, he said, don't you fear God? recognizing his deity he said we deserve to be here but he does not and he looked over at Jesus being in the middle cross and he said remember me when you come into your kingdom he did not care what this world thought about him any longer he didn't care what his memory on earth was going to be he didn't care what his legacy would be on earth the only thing he cared about was if he would be remembered in heaven if he would be remembered in the kingdom and Jesus said yes this world might not remember you for much but I will remember you in my kingdom in fact today you'll be with me in paradise I want to tell somebody today don't live to be remembered in this world but live to be remembered in heaven don't live to be remembered by man but live to be remembered by Jesus and in heaven that's all I'm living for that's all you should live for is to be remembered and so I want to just tell somebody today this is your moment this is an altar call this is your moment with the Lord. I wonder how many would just gather up in this front and just bow their knee, would just lift up their hands, would give God an offering of praise, would just give God a sacrifice of praise, would just turn one more time and say, Lord, I don't need anything this world has to offer, but I need everything that you have to offer. I don't care what anybody thinks about me on this earth, but I care much more about what Jesus remembers me for. I want to pray. This worship team is going to sing. I'm going to open this altar. How many would join me up front today? Father, we just pray right now, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that we would just be inspired today by your word, by everything that you have for us today, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in this moment that there would be somebody that would turn their heart to you maybe for the very first time and just begin to break things of their past, break ties from the old me, the old ways, the old things, and just begin to say, Lord, I pour it all out for you right now in Jesus' name. Once again, 
Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.